Welcome to episode one of the Bryce Side Podcast. All right, before I begin, let's circle back to episode zero, Honeybee. I'm going to answer some of the top questions that I've gotten about that one. Number one, yes, I still have that shirt. In fact, at the time, I always believed in redundancy, so I always bought two of everything. So I do, in fact, have two copies of that shirt. Question number two. If I could go back, would I change anything and do things differently? Hindsight is always twenty-twenty, but I'm a firm believer that if it was supposed to happen, it was supposed to happen. I'm tired of looking back and playing the what-if games. So, no, I would not change anything. Alright, those are pretty much the two questions on everybody's mind. And that's probably the last time I'm going to bring this subject up. Maybe in reference further down the line as I get deeper into these episodes that I'm going to be putting out. But now let's go over today's topic. We're going to be talking about jujitsu and what it is from my perspective. What is jujitsu? Jujitsu is a Japanese martial art. It's designed to be used on the battlefield when your weapons are no longer at your disposal. I like jujitsu because it is designed to specifically kill your opponent. Most people do not like that point of view. I hold that in the highest regard for any martial art. The whole purpose of any martial art is to kill your opponent. Yes, there are fancy movements and displays of artistry and self-discipline, but at the end of the day, I am training to kill my opponent. And in Jiu-Jitsu, that was especially relevant, especially during the feudal Japan days of the samurai. If I cannot reach my katana, I will throw you to the ground, break your arm, find it, and stab you in the face. That is what jujitsu is to me. We all have access to the internet. I'm not going to go into some deep dive of the history of jujitsu. It all comes from one man, the same guy who created judo. And in my mind, jujitsu and judo, it's pretty much the same thing except people like to splinter off to their own individual groups. That guy taught a guy in Brazil. That guy taught two guys. And they came to the U.S. They made up the UFC to promote their thing. And here we are, all day, every day, everybody's practicing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And there's your little quick cliff notes of the history of Jiu-Jitsu. Again, I'm not going to give you some boring history lesson of what the history and intricacies of jiu-jitsu is. I'll just give you a quick snapshot. If you really want to know, if you're not already a jiu-jitsu head, you should know, but if you don't, the internet is always a great resource. We're always connected thanks to the internet and technology, so there's really no reason why you shouldn't know anything. Even though I do run into those people who have no idea what it is they're actually training and what his actual purpose was. All they know is they just want to show up and do some fancy moves, which again, 
my instructor who takes things very seriously, especially when it comes to jujitsu, as do I to my students. How are you going to train something when you don't know the history of it yourself? It's like showing up to your job not knowing what to do or having an idea. Everybody goes to a job interview, you should look up what it is the job you're going for. I feel the same way about things you are quote unquote passionate about and want to do. And that's how I feel about jujitsu. If you don't know the nuance of history of jujitsu and if you've been doing this for longer than four years, what is it are you actually doing? All right, jujitsu's here to stay in the US. You've got a school on every corner. Everybody's doing it, everybody's loving it from four-year-olds to the 72-year-old grandmas who get their black belt. It's a great and wonderful thing. Jiu-Jitsu can be very positive. But part one of this, I'm just going to talk about the different nuances of the Jiu-Jitsu culture and my take on it, along with just keeping it on the light side. I'll dive deeper into the dark side of Jiu-Jitsu in a later podcast, but right now I'll keep it on the sunny side up. One of the good things about jiu-jitsu is everybody can do it. And I mean everybody, everyone can do jiu-jitsu. Regardless of age, gender, or disability. I've seen people who are completely blind and or wheelchair bound do jiu-jitsu. So anyone out there who says, oh I can't do it because I'm too old. I can show you a 72-year-old surviving cancer patient who's on the mat beating the crap out of 23-year-olds during a live rolling session. So those are just excuses that you built in to not do something. I would much rather have that person tell me that they're just afraid to try than come up with excuses because literally right now, everyone can do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu from age four to, so far I've seen, 72. So there's really no excuse not to do it other than your own insecurities and fears. Another benefit of Jiu-Jitsu is you have the chance to train with high-level athletes and world champions. Not many sports can say that. Can you train with LeBron James if you just play basketball at your local Y or on the street courts? Can you throw to a top-level wide receiver in the NFL if you play for a Pop Warner or semi-pro league? No, there's a cap. There's steps. You got to go to the NCAA. You got to get drafted. You got to do all these things just to play in the quote-unquote major leagues. But with jiu-jitsu, you don't have to worry about that. You can just go and sign up to a gym that just happens to have a world champion or go to a gym that is on a good touring place of rotating door of people that come in and out of that are high level. And not to mention, you also have a chance to go against those world champions in a tournament Right now, as a black belt, I have the opportunity to go against world champions and beat them. 
not much can be said for that in the other sports out there. I think I'm pretty good playing hockey. Doesn't mean I'm going to go out there and stuff goals from a professional player or have a chance to do some practicing with the Spurs. It's just not going to happen. But with Jiu-Jitsu, it can happen. You can train with high-level athletes and learn things. One of the positives about Jiu-Jitsu is that it is a very welcoming culture. Once you're in, it's like it's your second family. And you have a bond with the people that you train with, especially if you've been there for a very long time. Me personally, there are people that I've trained with that I haven't seen in eight years. And I just ran into them. And it's like we haven't even skipped a beat. That's the one thing you will enjoy if you go and take the first dive into jiu-jitsu. You're joining a connected family, of a deep-rooted community. There's none other like it. And for some people, jiu-jitsu people, your gym, your instructors, your peers, they truly do become your family. Another great benefit of jiu-jitsu that also translates into the real world off the mats is you are constantly faced with the reality of the situation without being delusional in any way. And it helps transform you into a person of good character and integrity if you allow it. My instructor gave a great metaphor which is perfect for jiu-jitsu and can be translated to anything in life that you want to accomplish. When you lift weights, you actually have to lift the weight, whether it be 100 pounds, 200, 300, 400, or 500. If you want that bar to move, you actually have to lift the weight off the rack and put in the effort. If you want the results, the desired results, you have to put in the work. Will it take time? Yes. Will it be hard? Yes. Will you constantly question what you're doing? Yes. Will it be worth it? Oh, hell yeah. So now, let's dive in to the different parts of that community and its culture. You have the people in Jiu-Jitsu who solely focus on just doing no-gi grappling and submission wrestling, which means they never put any time in the gi. Then you have the people who only wear the gi and specifically focus on the air quotes here, sport jujitsu. Then on the other realm, you have the traditionalist, the old school guys who only use gi, gi jujitsu for 100% self-defense and how they roll. And then you have the crossover with guys who want to do MMA and want to look cool when they say they're an MMA fighter and they have their black belt in jiu-jitsu. All three cultures have their own viewpoints, which is fine. At the end of the day, they're all doing jiu-jitsu, but they're only doing a small aspect of it in my opinion, as always, on the bright side. 
you look at Nogi guys, they mainly base their jujitsu off of speed, overall strength, and athleticism over their opponents. And just going for leg locks all the time. Sport jujitsu guys do crazy, elaborate, fancy moves that look good on YouTube and sell DVDs and make them world champions. The traditionalists, the old school guys, only do the techniques that they learned from 1993 to about 1996 and call all that new age stuff bullshit. Which I think is funny. In my perspective, all three groups are limiting themselves. My recommendation is train it all. Train the sport. Train the old school way. Train a nogi. There's a meme or a quote out there from the second greatest grappler or jiu-jitsu practitioner, Hicks and Gracie. Number one would be Halls. If you don't know who Halls is, R-O-L-L-S. Again, the internet is a great resource for you to use at all times. Hicks and Gracie said, if you can't do jiu-jitsu in a 10-minute match, there's something wrong with your jiu-jitsu. If you can't do jiu-jitsu in a no-limit match, no time limit, there is something wrong with your jiu-jitsu. If you can't do jiu-jitsu outside of the gi, then there is something wrong with your jiu-jitsu. The way that I was trained, and I started training in 2006, at the time we were in MMA specific gym, everything was again geared towards controlling your opponent to punch him in the face or kick them in the face or knee them in the face. Our jiu-jitsu was to get into a dominant position to punch you in the face. Those were our quote-unquote submissions. Our bones in your small face causing multiple, multiple fractures and concussions. So we really had no problem doing jiu-jitsu, whether it was no-gi, gi, or any other type of rule set that was happening. Because again, when you train jiu-jitsu, you're training jiu-jitsu. I'm not doing no-gi. I'm not doing sport. I'm not doing old school. As I put it for myself and for my students, you're doing actual jiu-jitsu, what it was designed for to hanker it back to the feudal Japan. And I also have the other mindset too for my instructor that if it works, it cannot be wrong. So I fashion myself as a purist, which means I don't do many fancy things, but I can at any, at any time when I'm rolling, throw up a warm guard or do De La Hiva or reverse De La Hiva. Even now I've been experimenting with Baron Bolo, but I don't forget who I am as a jiu-jitsu practitioner. For some people on the sports side, for me that is the, you took 
because in the translation for jujitsu, it's the gentle art. In the sports side, they're way outside of the box for the artistry side. And for the traditionalists, the old school guys, they're, they refuse to leave the box. And if you really think about it, both sides are hindering themselves because one is so abstract that they can't see the fundamentals and the others are so fundamental that they don't see the abstract new ideas that can help improve techniques and do things over time, which I find to be hilarious. So for me, don't say you do sport, don't say you do uh, nogi or 10th planet or self-defense jiu-jitsu or Gracie jiu-jitsu. Just say you do jiu-jitsu. And if someone asks you, does that include judo too? Say yes, because again, it's all from the same source. You just have to know that and know the history. Again, I preference this as my podcast, my point of view, my opinions. If you do not like what I have to say, especially if you're a serious, hardcore jiu-jitsu head, by all means, don't listen. That is your choice. Plus, remember, you chose to listen to this podcast, so I don't want to get like hate mail or comments, because again... I've been doing this for 13 years. I would like to think now, as a black belt, I do have the right to an opinion. And if you are another black belt and you're listening to this and you want to give me my your opinion, that's fine. But I'm really not going to listen to it. Because again, in the hierarchy of jiu-jitsu, the only opinion that matters above me is that of my instructor. So feel free to waste your time telling me the what's what of jiu-jitsu is because I'll probably just delete it anyway and not even read it. Because unless it says the name of my instructor, your opinion is just that, an opinion. Moving on, getting that little disclaimer out of the way, we can talk about uh, somewhat of a reasoning and behind what you want to do with your jiu-jitsu. Some people want to get in shape. Some people just want to learn self-defense. Some people want to become the next world champion. The great thing about jiu-jitsu is when you come into jiu-jitsu, you will change. When I first started, I I wanted to be an MMA fighter. I wanted to be in the UFC. I hated the gi. As ridiculous as that sounds, when I first started, I just wanted to fight. And in my mind at that time, shows you how intellectual I was, being barely 22, as I've said previously, that, oh, I want to be a UFC fighter. I have to get good at jiu-jitsu. I'll get better faster by not training in the gi because the gi is a hindrance now because you're not allowed to wear the uniform when you go fight in the UFC. Yes, I'll give you a nice laugh break. That's how ridiculous I was back at that time 
And then surely, but I started to realize at the time our gym had nogi classes and gi classes I went to all the nogi classes with some of the fighters and I would beat them and then slowly but surely they would start to slink away into gi classes and then start beating the crap out of me and then I think after we moved to our third gym spot I started to take the gi more seriously I was already kind of at a decline in my MMA path and decided to go all in on the jiu-jitsu and fell in love with just doing the gi. That doesn't mean that I don't do no gi. In fact, my gi training tremendously impacted exponentially my no gi training. So there's another little carrot or gem to think about when you're training your jiu-jitsu. But again, what are your goals when you want to train jiu-jitsu at that time my goal was to be an MMA fighter I got that I accomplished it but over time and with age and experience and wisdom my goals changed And again that's with everyone you don't have to hold on to the same goal the same ideals the whole thing with jiu-jitsu is evolving you're constantly growing constantly getting better constantly trying to improve yourself the great thing about jiu-jitsu is you are never done so you always have to be better than who you were yesterday some people think that because you're a black belt the journey is over no the journey just begun because now maybe you want to teach then you have to learn how to be a better teacher then you also have to do research and learn all the new aged movements because the worst thing you can do is to be stagnant constantly have to evolve and be better in jiu-jitsu another positive point that i like about it is that it forces you to constantly be better than who you were yesterday i have another expression i got from a third degree black belt that i stole uh, ricky lundell one percent better every day that's all you need to be to show improvement to show progress and it doesn't have to be some big prolific thing. It could be something minor and in, insignificant. But as long as you are 1% better every day, you will have no problems. Unless you're a complete pessimist and constantly being emo and listen to My Chemical Romance. With all that being said, if you are not a jiu-jitsu practitioner already and you would like to become one, I highly recommend... You do the research, find the gym. There should be at least three in every area around here, especially in this town, and find the one that's best for you. Ignore the reviews, ignore the Yelps, the Google stars. Show up for yourself. Just drop in and observe the class. Do you have a good vibe from everybody? Because what you don't want to do is show up on a scheduled appointment because that's going to give you all the bells and whistles to try and sell you on their gym. The best advice I can give you is to show up unannounced as just a drop in to observe the class and see if it suits you. Don't just do this for one gym. Do this for all the gyms you can find that you think will be good for you. So in the realm of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu... 
the ring structure is as follows. Blue, purple, brown, black. Everyone is given a white belt, so is not considered a rank. This is the standard rank for most Gi Jiu-Jitsu gyms. In between each level in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu rank, you are given a black bar on your belt. When you become a black belt, it becomes red, but for the prior ranks, it will always be black. In the interim, before the next belt, you will have five levels dependent on the school. Your belt with the clear tab or black bar preceded by four stripes and then you will graduate to the next belt level. So if you are a white belt with four stripes, eventually when your instructor deems it necessary, you will become a blue belt and so on and so on and so on until you become a black belt. There are some instances where you will be awarded your next level of rank without meeting the actual requirement of the four stripes on your bar or tab. Me personally, I was awarded my purple belt as a one stripe blue belt. I became a black belt as a two stripe brown belt. But then as I dive into this now, I was a four stripe white belt. And then I was awarded my blue belt. As I said before, in 2006, when I started training, I hated the gi. I thought it was useless. It was a waste of time. I'm going to be a fighter. Why do I need to wear the gi? It made no sense to me until I started losing to my peers who went to more gi classes than they did no gi classes. Also, during that time, if you knew me back then, I was a bit of a know-it-all. And even during that time, now, my instructor jokingly tells me how much he hated me as a white belt because I would literally show up to class, had my own jujitsu books, did the class, but then decided to do what I was learning, air quotes, learning in that booklet as opposed to the techniques that the instructor was showing. Little did I know he would give rants 
seething, scathing reviews about me to the senior students and possibly to his instructor about how I would just show up to the gym and do my own thing. This was, I was a white belt for three years and eight months. And I was training pretty much 24 seven. The natural progression for a white belt to a blue belt is one and a half years. I was a white belt for damn near four years for one simple fact. I did not yet have humility. I was pretty high on myself and during that time my thinking or I wouldn't even call it really thinking was they're just learning the basics. They're just learning this. If I grab this book, because back in the day there was no DVD, there was no online resource, there were books, encyclopedia-sized books with frame-by-frame -frame photos of how to do a technique. And usually only one frame per shot for the technique, so you couldn't like have like a 360 view of what was actually going on. You have to stare at the book, imagine the moving as you're reading the descriptions step by step. In that process, I thought I'll be ahead of the curve and get promoted faster if I study the book more than what the instructor is telling me to do. Again, a lot of hubris on my part. And after, and yeah, my success rate during rolling was uh, 500, 600. I was good, but I was doing weird stuff and it wasn't what the instructor wanted. I would say during the last year, or the last one of the last years prior to me actually becoming a blue belt, I was passed over, but I was like, he made a speech about, I know you're mad, but you're not going to get your blue belt. And I really wasn't mad. I was just, all right, I'll have to do more book research and find more books to read. Because he promotes twice a year. And during the winter promotions, he gave me my four stripes. And I thought during the summer promotions, that was the punch ticket to become a blue belt. And then he said no. And I was like, all right. And then for me, that was a crossroads moment because I wasn't going to quit. I've told him before, like, I was only going to quit if you literally told me to my face to get out of the gym, which I don't think was going to happen because, again, he liked me as a person, but as a student, I was just god-awful at that time and we both laugh about it today it's quite hilarious but at that crossroads moment I had to accept that he was the instructor his job is to get me to where I want to be which was a black belt 
and again, as I said before, I am a black belt now. So he got me there. But I had to have the humility to accept. I really don't know what I'm talking about. And this is a lot of the mentality for most white belts as I've seen teaching and just watching peers and other people grow and develop is that we think we know everything or we have an idea that we know something but in actuality you don't because you're a white belt and I have a great expression that I very often use with my own students a senior master sergeant in the Air Force told me when I was still in the military and I was on the joint command he said, if you are an E3 and below, your only job is to, he put it in this very funny way, is to shut up and color inside the lines. That's it. Meaning, whatever the people above you tell you to do, shut up and do it. Because you are so new, you don't know what you're actually talking about. So just shut up and color. I had that shut up in color moment after I was passed over for promotion in June. So I decided, again, on my own, I didn't even talk to him. Also, I didn't have like a full on like communication with my instructor for the first three years of me as a white belt. Which again, super funny. I'm going to a gym to learn jujitsu. I have no communication with the instructor whatsoever very funny even to this day so crossroads moment do i shut up in color or just do my own thing and then from there for the entire six months until the next winter promotions i shut up in color and then shockingly i got better in fact, I got better leaps and bounds than I did just researching things on my own. And then, lo and behold, when winter promotions came up, I got towards my blue belt. And I became a blue belt. And that was pretty cool, because at the time, for my instructor, the hardest thing to do was to get your blue belt he literally had 50 white belts and then maybe 10 blue belts so if you got your blue belt under my instructor during that time you were hot shit and that's really all i wanted to do was be a blue belt under my instructor everything else is just icing on the cake but again it took me to have the humility within myself to accept I'm not the end-all be-all in this journey. This goes back to what I said about the positives of jiu-jitsu. It forces you to face the reality of the situation. And again, having these reflective moments on the mat also translates into your life for the positive off the mats. In whatever it is you want to do whether it be your job interpersonal relationships having a goal that you want to attain that are personal jiu-jitsu is a great thing when done correctly
So I think I'll leave it at that. Alright, that concludes episode one, talking about jujitsu on the bright side. And for all those that are wondering, don't worry, the jelly bean episode will come. You just have to be patient. Alright, thanks for listening. I'll catch you again only on the bright side. <laughs>